welcome to a new episode of Hallmark Heartbeats, a podcast all about Hallmark movies. And Merry Christmas, everybody. <laughs> this is our Christmas podcast. And guess who joined us this week for our Christmas podcast? Our jolly old Saint Paul. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> Paul Campbell. The writer writer slash actor extraordinaire. You know, we were just, Merry Thanksgiving weekend just passed um, when we were recording this anyway. And we said that they should change the name of the weekend to like the weekend of Paul Campbell's. (laughs) And like four of the movies. I know. I sort of, uh, I didn't. I don't know how that all lined up, but they were just like, let's lump, let's lump him together in all, and just make him the whole weekend. Give thanks for Paul, Paul giving weekend. Um, and I was like, I'm like, oh, you can't just put them all together like that. And they're like, well, we did. I know, like it would have been, it, it would have been just the only, the only movie that was really missing is um, Santa Stakeout. If Santa Stakeout would have aired on that weekend, it would have been all Paul. I know it's it's ridiculous. I'm overexposed. It's time for me to like slink back into my cave for a little bit and disappear. Give people a break. We love the overexposure. <laughs> okay, deal. Anyway, you've been working with Hallmark for many many years. What was like your first Hallmark movie? Uh, I've been working with them since 2014. So the first one was Window Wonderland. That was 2014. Yeah, with um. Sorry, I know her as Lexi Gray <laughs> on Grace yeah, Anatomy. Kyler, Kyler yeah. Lee, and then Cameron Matheson. That was Cameron Matheson's first Hallmark movie as well, both of ours. Yeah, that is so cool. We you look really young around. in the pictures for that movie. Well, I was, uh, I think I was clean shaven, first of all, and uh, I've aged a lot. Having a kid aged me. I've aged <laughs> 10 years in the five years I've had a kid. <laughs> that is too funny so um like uh, of all of the movies that you've done for Hallmark which which one would you say was your favorite movie that's a tough question I get that question a lot and it, it, I, I for I, I usually end up defaulting to Window Wonderland I think maybe I would always say Window Wonderland just because it was my first um it was my first movie and it was I just had my eyes open to the world of Hallmark and to how fun it could be. Um, And that was really at a time when Hallmark was trying to make more sort of traditional rom-com style. So the script was really funny and the characters were really funny and there was some broad comedy. And I was like, this is right up my alley. Um, But Christmas by Starlight, which was the first one that I was involved uh, in the writing process as well was incredibly challenging just because I was on set as both a writer and an actor. That was the first time that I'd ever done that and saying my own words and, and also hearing all of my co-stars say those words. And and it, it's really, uh, I found it both enjoyable and also sort of a curse to be like, Oh, I've heard, I've heard that line said in my head a thousand times. And now you're saying it differently than I envisioned it and just not, being critical, like just being free to be in the scene and be the actor and not also be a writer going, I think actually it could be better if you emphasize the word <laughs> Christmas there, you know, like, um, 
but that was really fun. It, it took me two or three days to sort of settle into my role as just an actor and get rid of uh, being a writer. The preconceived notion of what you thought certain words were said. Yeah, I mean, also like uh, the tone, you know, you write scripts with a certain tone and a certain energy and then you get to the shooting phase. And with Unexpected Christmas, um, there were a lot of scenes that I wrote in a very different tone. And then I see the performances and I realize that actually it's in the hands of exceptional actors who know just what to do with those words. And it's not what I had envisioned, but it's equally, if not more, uh, entertaining and valid, you know, that's sort of the exciting part. Handing your work over to somebody that can't act, uh, at all would probably be really frustrating because you're like, you're ruining my stuff, but with Tyler and Joy, um, and then also with Lacey uh, and Stuart Townsend, they're, you know, everyone, they're professionals. They're like, we can take your words and we can make them better. And uh, it just makes me look good, you know. Let's talk Santa's Stakeout. How was it working with Tamara? That was great. It was great. You know, like, again, you, you um, especially when you're doing something that is meant to be more of a comedy having somebody to work opposite that comes from a comedy background, comedy is a really tough thing and not everybody gets it just because words are funny. doesn't mean it's going to be funny and there's intention and there's like, there's stakes and there's, uh, there's objectives that comedy is, is all about conflict. And if you're not really playing the conflict and letting that sort of live at the surface, the comedy just falls flat. Tamara comes in knowing exactly how to do her job. So it was great. And um, our director was Peter Benson, who's uh, who's been at Hallmark forever. And he's phenomenal. And he just was like, he was down to play and to let us do dumb things and do <laughs> funny blocking. And, you know, like that's when, that's when the greatness comes. And that's when the great moments come is when you're just free to play in the space and you're with somebody who's willing to play in the space and you can, ad-lib and you can sort of react i think with tamara you know like one of my favorite scenes was it's a small scene but we were at the um dining table and she was talking about how you guys are a perfect couple you guys fi- finish each other's and you're supposed to say sentence right after mm. her we got a donut or something in your mouth and you're like what oh sentence <laughs> You would not believe how many dinner rolls I ate because I had to stuff it in there every take. And they're like, are you sure you want to do this? And I was like, yeah, I'm going to stuff the whole dinner roll in there every take. It, it, it was just a perfect timing because, I mean, it was such a small scene, but that little hesitation just made it, like, funnier. <laughs> I think that was my most – I that scene between us is probably one of my favorite scenes in the whole movie where we're telling the story of how we met uh, – I got a lot of joy from that. There was really good energy in that scene and like it just built and it built. It was a, that was a really fun scene to film. Yeah. Also, you also worked with Joey Pent. I'm going to screw up his name. Joey Pants. Joey- just call him Joey Pants. Huh? Joey Pants. He goes yes. by Joey Pants because nobody can say his last name. Pantoliano. <laughs> yes. How, I mean, like I'm a huge fan of him as well. So how was it working with him? Uh, he's a legend. It was great. You know, he comes in with like real, like tough guy, HBO gravitas. And you're like, Hey dude, that's not the movie we're making. We're making a Hallmark <laughs> Christmas movie, man. But you know, he never, yeah, like, he never did. wavered. 
Yeah, he never wavered. And he um, he delivered like a really heartfelt performance. And you really from you would go like, oh, yeah, he's the bad guy right away. You look at him and he walked that line beautifully of like you never really knew. You just always assumed he was the bad guy with kind of a heart of gold. And by the end, he just won us all over. He was he was a trip, man. He was he's really fun to work with. It was a good plot twist to see that he wasn't. <laughs> so it was nice to see that. I know. I, well, it would I have been like, called it from the beginning. I was like, he's not the bad guy. This is a no way. He's the bad a pretty guy. Crappy <laughs> story. If he was the guy who like lost his wife and who's like, you're like, oh, I love this guy. And then he just turns out to be a total crook. That would be a really, be really bad writing. You're like, why did you make us fall in love with this guy? If you're just going to cart him off to jail. Uh, yeah, that's, that would that's be heartbreaking. Trail. <laughs> yeah we love you yeah exactly <laughs> do you have um, any behind the scenes Samara, before um santa stick out because i'm a fan of hers from sister sister i just want to know if you watched her too from way back when i'd seen a little bit but i didn't really know her work too much uh i didn't even know she like i didn't remember that she had a twin and you didn't so know I, she had a twin? <laughs> no, like, I don't, I don't know why I just didn't put it together. And then um, when I found out that we were working together, I went on Instagram because I, I just wanted to say, hey, I think we're doing a movie together. Really exciting. And, uh, and I m- ended up messaging her sister. I sent her <laughs> sister a direct message. And then, um, and it was a long message and I, and I never heard anything back. And then Tamara, uh, on her own sent me a message on Instagram, which I assumed was in response to the message that I had sent, but it was just like, yay, we're making a movie together. And I didn't know that for her, it was just an introduction. And I was like, yes, can't wait. Like I gave her the sort of short response that you would give after a long speech up front. And then when we finally met, she's like, you seemed really sort of short and curt on Instagram. And I was like, well, you read my other message. She's like, no, I didn't. What other message? And I was like, I sent you a long message, Joel. Thing. She's like, did you send that to my sister? And I was like, I didn't know you, but probably did. Yeah. And sure enough, there it was in her sister's inbox, unread and untouched. Uh, so that's how we started that movie. Just like a couple of dumb That is funny. Mm-hmm. Y'all really worked well together, especially for people who have been worked together all this time. <laughs> It's true. You just got to like, that's the crazy thing about these things. You show up on day one and that chemistry, that energy, that rapport has to be there immediately. It's also in a movie like Santa's Stakeout or in a movie like Unexpected Christmas, which is a better example. Those two show up having known each other for two years already. So you don't get to play those like when you're actually getting to know another actor in real time in those moments where you're like, Oh, hi, hi. I'm getting to know you. Hi, my name is this. You get to play that sort of awkward getting to know you, but in a movie where you're supposed to have that familiarity of people that have been together for two years already, you have to show up in the first scene, the first take already dropped into that sense of familiarity. It's not an easy thing to do. There's no time to like learn on the job. You just have to show up and be there. Well, talk about your, um, you know, longtime co-workers, or at least like however many movies. <laughs> You've worked with Kimberly Sistad. Mm-hmm. Like. Three movies. What? 
three we always we've done three movies well yeah i guess four times if you count nine kittens yeah because you had you did christmas my starlight wedding every weekend godwin christmas and nine kittens even though you barely were on there just a quick pop yeah <laughs> i love um i love you guys and do you guys like i mean do you guys like have do you guys like i don't know how do you guys say this go i want to work with kim this is who i want to work with too long like how does that work well the, no i mean with we didn't know each other before godwink and then we worked together on godwink and we came up with the idea for christmas by starlight um while we were filming and we're like let's try and write this and then we started writing it and as we got closer and closer to the reality of it getting made uh hallmark offered us wedding every weekend they were because um typically i don't know that they try to pair people up as much but i think because covid was happening and they were like you're both in vancouver you guys want to do this and we were like of course let's do it so we did that. And then Christmas by Starlight was already in the works and it was already slated to go. So we knew that was going to happen anyway. So things just kind of stacked up like that. And then with um, Nine Kittens, that was a call from Randy Pope, who's like, who was the head of Hallmark essentially and uh, under Wyona. And he's like, hey, do you want to do a cameo in one of our movies? And I was like, yeah, I'd love to. What is it? And he's like, it's uh, Kim's movie, Nine Kittens. And I was like, of course it is. Yeah, of course. <laughs> so, yeah, it'd be hilarious. Let's go do it. I honestly thought uh, it, was a, it would be a call from Kimberly. Like, No, I mean, we don't get, we don't really get, as actors, we don't get a say in casting. Unless you're an executive producer, you don't really get a say in, in anything. Uh, we always fight for stuff, like, you know, creatively, but. In terms of casting, we don't really get to choose. That's very much a hallmark uh, executive level decision, how that all comes into play. Um, well, like, how, what, what is your relationship with Kimberly Offset? Are you guys like good friends kind of thing, Offset kind of stuff? You know, we both, we, we worked a lot together writing Unexpected Christmas. Um, she's got a, she's got two kids. I've got a kid. We're both like incredibly busy. We'll see each other occasionally, but you know, it's, unless you're focused on working, like, I don't know, somehow my life is just chaos all the time. And I think it has to do with chasing a five-year-old. So uh, <laughs> no, we, we don't, there's not a ton. I don't really socialize with anybody. I'm kind of a, I don't know. I'm either like with my kid or I'm working, I'm writing or I'm building. I do a ton of building stuff. I probably should be more social, but uh, no, I don't do a lot of socializing. Well, it's hard to do that when you've got a virus, deadly virus floating around. So <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, it's true. It's pretty limiting. And we have, we, we really were shut in for the past couple of years, just playing it really safe and keeping our bubble group really small. My mom's uh, been struggling with illness for years. And I'm like, I don't need to bring that to her. And I don't know. It's been a lot of downtime the last couple of years. Okay. We mentioned very Thanksgiving weekend, but we're, uh, <laughs> we're going to talk about some of these movies, unexpected Christmas, which we definitely mentioned. Um, but the inspiration, what was your inspiration to write the movie? So this one actually 
was this one showed up at Hallmark as a script written by somebody else originally. It was called Christmas in Harmony. And uh, Christmas in Harmony. It was called Christmas, it, it, they, but they changed the name because there was another movie called Christmas in Harmony. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> like, we were like, wait yeah. a minute here. <laughs> so, like that, 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 that's a different movie. <laughs> totally different. Yeah. And they were like, we can't have two movies called Christmas in Harmony. So this is a guy, Greg Magoon, who wrote it. He wrote it on spec. And it was a really fun, sweet script. But it, there were some pieces of it that didn't really work for Hallmark. And so they... They um, they asked him if he would write it back into outline form, which is typically where they develop from. They'll they'll look at an outline and then they'll develop the outline and then you can go to the script phase. And so he wrote out an outline and I think he wasn't, it, there were still pieces of it that just weren't quite working because we found the lie, sustaining that lie for the duration of the movie and justifying such a, it's, it's not a nice lie to tell to his family Mm-mm. was a really, really tough thing to justify emotionally. And so they, when they came to me, they said, Hey, we have this really fun concept. There's this couple that pretends to be together. You can read the outline if you want. Um, or you can just sort of like start from scratch. So I read the outline and I thought, you know, I think I have to kind of go back to the drawing board and just take, the basic idea of two people pretending to be together for Christmas, spending Christmas with his family and see what comes out. And the more that I started to really dig into the emotional justification, the more the story changed. And then by the end, it was just a completely different, it was a whole different story, all the characters and uh, everything was totally different. So there's like a, there's like the ghost of the old movie still lingers. And to Greg's credit, it was a really cute concept. It just, the only way to make it work was to completely rebuild the characters and come up with a new story for, for the lie. And we fought, it was like five months of work. It took me five months of hard work to write that thing. A hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours to get it right because it was so tricky, you know? So like you, you can't, you have to sympathize with both of them the whole time. The second you feel like they're being jerks, uh, the, the movie doesn't work. You don't root for them to get back together. You know, you, you're like, ah, oh, they're just deceiving this family and it feels so crappy. So it was a delicate thing to write. Um, Castle Heart, on the other hand, was a, was a rewrite that I did as well. And that was a really nice script it was a very sweet story but hallmark wanted it to be funny and they wanted it to be a little edgier and have a little punch so they said hey can you take this can you do something with it i was like yep i can do something with this and uh, that was about four weeks That, that one took about four weeks and it was basically from the very beginning just a complete makeover uh character rebuild complete dialogue makeover and then some story elements um, change some locations and like integrating the um, discovering their family at the end and all that stuff was was all sort of newly added to the I love the how they discovered their family we I, I cried at the end of the scene it's <laughs> one of my favorite scenes that was the intention that's what we were going for <laughs> I, was, I was like why are you doing this to me but I do have to say that you have um, you seem to have a like niche for comedy 
Is that, do you like writing comedy more than um, drama? Uh, I don't, I, I guess I do. Yeah, I guess I do. I, I like, what I, what I like is, I like being able to find humor in dark situations. And honestly, like dark situations lend themselves to comedy so well. I talked a little bit about conflict and in Unexpected Christmas. It's all, the whole thing is one big conflict. It's conflict between these two. It's a conflict between those two and the family. They each have their own conflicts in he's writing a speech and she's trying to put together this project that seems to keep falling apart. So there's like five different ongoing conflicts they get to juggle and, and it makes for so much fun to write, but the, yeah, like I haven't written a traditional drama ever. I think there are some really sweet and dramatic scenes, you know, in the, in the movie but if I can find for me and maybe just, it's just in my own life. Like when, even when things are dramatic, I always find a way to make a joke, right? There's always like, if I can get a smile and a dramatic thing or bring a little light, then that's something I usually aim for. So when I'm writing more dramatic scenes, I always try to find a little something, you know, and for Hallmark, they don't, especially for, for stuff for the, the main channel for Christmas movies, they don't want really heavy drama. They want, the lightness so it's kind of it's kind of the perfect world for me is writing these movies i've i've worked on some other half hour comedies that i've tried to develop and written some scripts and i really enjoy it as well but there's something about this blend of heart and humor that i feel like i feel right at home writing that stuff i think one of my favorite scenes in unexpected christmas was the scene at the end where tyler is in the unicorn costume in the play <laughs> I mean everyone was just like uh, that see that's, that scene makes this movie worth watching <laughs> man there were uh there were some good lines in that play that didn't make it in that play as I wrote it was so big and they did a really good job but you know you write you write sort of the dream scenario but there were some exchanges between Tyler the unicorn, he had one line where he goes, um, oh, Santa goes, but nay, but lo, behold, as sure as I'm born, there before me, uh, he goes, uh, a deer with a horn? And then, um, <laughs> and then Tyler goes, nay, my good man, not a deer with a horn, though my horn may be deer, I'm a deer unicorn. And I've come from above, whatever, with, you know, to save Christmas with the power of love. Like there was this whole sort of like Shakespearean exchange that we didn't end up making it for time, unfortunately. But I was like, I just went to town on that scene. That whole scene was really fun to write. And, uh, and as written, it was like he stumbles around and the entire set comes down and then the Christmas tree falls and he catches Scotty in the Christmas tree outfit. They couldn't shoot all of it, obviously. That would be like the Netflix version of it. But um, that was, yeah, that, the, was, that was funny. I was sitting thinking to myself, like, Paul did this to torture Tyler. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Oh, I didn't know. I actually wrote that role for myself. I didn't know that Tyler was going to be in the movie. I, when they, because um, I started writing it back in February. And I was like, well, listen, I'm just going to write this in my own voice. And then uh, hopefully they give me the job. And 
they had said all along, we want to write it for some, like a pair, a couple in their late twenties. I don't play late twenties anymore. And they were like, and so I was like, ah, fine. I'll just write it for late twenties. And then when they got to casting right before they cast it, they were like, uh, can you, can you just change the ages in there? It's going to be mid thirties. We know who we're casting. I'm like, I could do mid thirties. <laughs> Why am I not in it? And uh, they were like, we got Tyler and, and Bethany. And I was like, Oh, you literally couldn't have found two better actors. Fine. Put them in it. Um, but I wrote it in hopes that I would be in that role. And then I ended up doing Santa Stakeout, which was great. But Can I ask you a question? How old are you? You may. 42. Really? You're you 10 years what? older than I am then. I'm 32. Well, well there you go. <laughs> you there look you go. 42. What's your secret? Um... Man, thank you. I don't know. I, take, uh, I, I I bathe in the blood of baby lambs every night. I don't know. Uh, I don't have a secret. Smile, smile a lot. You know, be positive. Don't let the, don't let do. the world get you down. Do what you enjoy. Yeah, exactly. Do what you love and smile and have a beer every now and then. Um. So you've done the acting and the writing. Do Do you see yourself directing next? I'd like to. Yeah. I think I, I, I feel like maybe I've got two or three more years of writing. I'd love to do just, I'd love to get really good at figuring out how to get these stories told on paper before I try and figure out how to tell them behind the camera. Directing is still such a vastly uh, different field. And I, I don't feel prepared in any way to go and do it. Uh, I watch colleagues like Peter Benson do it and uh, Ali Liebert, who's directing now. These actors, actors come directors and I go, oh, you guys are so far ahead of me in terms of your technical understanding. And um, I'll get there, but I don't feel ready to do it yet. It's a big, it's a big, big job. Directing is not easy, especially directing comedy. You know, comedy is really a lot about camera movement and, framing and stuff drama i don't think it's as tough you can sort of set the camera up here you want to see people's faces you don't have to do funny movements funny reveals but i don't want to direct drama i want to direct comedy <laughs> i swear you are perfect for comedy i honestly i i just when we were doing our review of castle heart i was like this has t- Paul all over it. <laughs> yeah, I snuck a lot of good jokes in there. Some of them made it in, some of them didn't, but there was a lot of like, uh, and Stewart also under delivers stuff, which is really funny. Like he really underplayed, uh, he, he was written as a really sharp sort of a character with a lot of edges and he underplayed it in a really interesting way. The humor is still there, but he didn't really lean hard into it, which is great. It, you know, he wasn't pushing the comedy. But uh, it was, yeah, that script was pretty fun. One of my favorite comedic scenes was when um, the journalist was still in the castle and Margo is on the phone with Brooke and she's like, Partridge is in the pantry. Partridge is in the pantry. (laughs) (laughs) And and Brooke is like, what are you talking about? And so finally when she talks to uh, Aiden, she was like, Marco is bird watching or something. <laughs> yeah. Oh, she's um she's bird watching. Yeah. So dumb. 
<laughs> it was oh, like yeah. very, very subtle, but it was so hilarious. I just love it. I'm that. glad you caught that. Those are the subtle, those are the layers. A lot of people won't get that. They'll be like, uh, I don't know. That was a weird <laughs> run. I just sit and giggle when I write those things. She's bird watching. <laughs> I love those kind of like small, small comedy moments that weren't like slapping you in the face kind of comedy, but just like you have to catch it and like then enjoy yeah. it. <laughs> gotta work a little bit. I gotta make you work a little bit for those. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Um, you've been a vocal advocate for representation on screen. Um, you talked about Running Every Weekend, which was, the, I, think, I believe, the first movie that featured um, a, le- a same-sex wedding. Um, mm-hmm. What what more, What kind of, like, what more would you like Hallmark to do? Like, what further steps would you like to see the channel do? Do you think that there well, will ever be a chance where the lead storyline will be a same-sex couple? Absolutely, I think there will be. Yeah, I think there will be. Um, there's a there's a period of uh, sort of adapting that Hallmark is doing and sort of like, they're definitely forging new paths. We're seeing that particularly this season already, they're, they're pushing um, in different directions in terms of inclusiveness and diversity. I think, you know, they, they're, the um what's it's the christmas house that where jonathan bennett is uh, in a same-sex relationship and i know they're not the leads but i think they're going they're realizing that the time is now to start telling those stories and um i know ali liebert had a she was in one of their movies recently the one with aaron cahill and every time a bell rings every time a bell rings yep there's a same-sex relationship in that and I think more and more we're going to see those stories featured front and center. Um, I absolutely think they will. I think for them, honestly, and this is just my guess, but from a business standpoint, they probably go, okay, we we're trying to win over a new audience and probably attract a community, the LGBTQ plus community that is like, has historically not probably tuned as much to watch the network. So we have to, like they're finding ways to go, Hey, here's what we're doing. Here's, here are the stories we're telling, come and watch our stories, you know, come and watch these shows. And I think they're doing a really, really good job in the span of really a year and a half since wedding every weekend, which was when the first, that first idea went into production. And it was just a blip that was like two females had a kiss at a wedding and they show up, you know, a little bit throughout the movie, but, um, I think they've made incredible strides and, and I'd like to see them go further. Like you said, I'd like to see same sex couples front and center uh, feature some different people from different nationalities. I don't know. I'm, I'm open to whatever they're doing. And, uh, and I, I think they're going to go at the speed that makes sense for them, but I'm happy to be on board for whatever speed they're going. And I think so far they're doing a really, really uh, admirable job of going like, we're going to shift this network. Cause that's a big, we're both on the yeah, we both have disabilities, and we'd love to. We seen that the, they'll did, had the movie with the autistic boy um, recently, and we both really connected to that. Um, Which one was that? I didn't actually see that one. It's Which on one Hallmark Movies and Mysteries. It was called Our, Our Christmas, Christmas Journey. Journey. 
Oh yes. Okay. I saw the trailer for that. Yes. You're right. It, it, so was, what, was it good? We just interviewed we just interviewed we just released the interview with the actor who played the autistic character Nick Sanchez. So we just oh, okay. just we just interviewed him last week and stuff. And so um yeah, it was it's it's a good movie if you want to watch it. But I mean like I'd love to see a disabled character lead a disabled lead character shoot show a storyline of someone in a wheelchair falling in love with an able-bodied person kind of thing. Listen, I uh, my mom had polio when she was two and she was paralyzed from the waist down since she was two years old. So I grew up with a mom who was on crutches and in a wheelchair and uh, I know very well. I mean she was extremely high functioning she raised three kids you know essentially from a wheelchair i would love to see um uh, a disabled person in a lead or you know i listen i um i think it's a question of finding the right story and it, it is a there, there it has to be done carefully so that it doesn't feel like it's almost gratuitous you know and that's where people go wrong it's like oh you just cast somebody in a wheelchair because you need to tick that box and it's like no. Um, especially with Unexpected Christmas, we set out to write um, the character of Tyler's sister. Uh, she's, Becca. She's gay. Yeah, right, Becca. As a, just like, oh, you're just a human. We don't have to like talk about the thing, you know? It's like, And this is in my world with my friends, you know, who come from all walks of life. That's just how people are. We're all just people. And so the story would have to be literally just take any sort of straight down the middle Hallmark movie and swap out the, uh, the lead for somebody with a disability and don't write in. It's not about like building a wheelchair ramp at the community center. It's about, you know, and I agree a hundred percent. I think I would be fully behind the network doing that and, and being Lifetime did it last year with um, the Broadway actress, Ali, Ali something um the one who won the tony award for her role but yeah um she as a wheelchair user as well that's what i want because i remember growing up like one of my high school crushes Mm. telling me later as as adults that he liked me too but then he was like he was like for afraid of the disability which like was like, so it had me going like, what is there to be afraid of? Number one, and number two, ouch. <laughs> you know? Yeah, damn, dude. Like, <laughs> I um, mean, my disability is invisible, so unless I reveal it to the world, no one's gonna know I have it, and you know, have epilepsy, and that's why I, I guess, I've connected so much because autism is invisible as well, and I'm totally connected to that storyline. And I told my dad about it and because my dad raised me, I had a single parent too. So I was like, mm-hmm. I grew up like, when I told my dad, I said, well, the stuff we went through, I've connected to this movie. So yeah, I mean, that's what it's about is seeing yourself and, and like a character. Um, yeah, seeing your storyline on TV. Mm-hmm. With something like epilepsy, I mean, it's an interesting, that's a really interesting character piece to add because what it, how you integrate that into the story Mm -hmm. I mean you uh unless you want to make the story about someone actually having a a medical emergency Mm -hmm. to do with epilepsy you know as a as I can only imagine and only knowing my mom's journey as a human but having 
uh, actually my uncle has epilepsy as well. Uh, my family's got a whole host of, yeah. you know, different things going on. And, and I know what his journey was like and how it sort of, even though it is invisible, how it's informed who he is today, it does sort of, it did shape him because he was constantly having to live with this awareness or this, that's you know, exactly what my truly... father said to me, you know, he obviously he's watched me deal with this and struggle with this and fight to have a, a normal life, work a full job, you know, just function, drive everything just to feel normal. And, and I, I told I told my dad one day, I don't know how nor- hard it is to feel normal. And he's like, I think that's the best quote you've ever given me. He had to remind himself of that. Yeah, um, it, uh, that it's. It's tough material to handle it because is. you go, well, I don't be... want the audience to feel sorry for you. You no. know, you don't want that. And you don't want to go, oh, woe is me. Uh, you know, this <laughs> is tough. You don't want to tell that story because then it doesn't actually do justice yeah. to someone going, no, I have epilepsy. No big deal. I function just fine. Yeah. And it's a... I would, just, I would just look at it like write a story that you would write for an able-bodied person, but make it but then add on the disability component because from my standpoint I don't see myself really any different than another able-bodied person I just have in a wheelchair yeah you get what I'm saying the storylines don't really have to change because I don't see my life differently Mm -hmm. because I'm disabled Yes, there is some accommodations I have to deal with. Like, you know. It's, I get it. I, I think it's a really interesting, that would be a really interesting writing challenge for me. It would be to write a, a, a strong, empowered character who goes, here's the deal. This is the thing. There's things I can't do and can do. It doesn't, it, it's, and, and have that person already have done the work of reconciling that and go, uh, my issue is not the wheelchair it's emotionally falling in love and it's the same as everybody else right the the hurdle that we have to find as an able-bodied person and a disabled person is are we compatible emotionally not how does this physically affect us Um, and you know my mom had such a great sense of humor like as kids we were able to like we would make jokes, uh, not mean spirited, but we would joke about her inability to come upstairs. We still do as adults. And she, like, it, it's such a joyous part. Her energy about her disability has become yeah. such a joyous part of our relationship um, that it's, I don't know, like, I wouldn't want my mom any other way, you know? Yeah. Uh, it, it's, it is, it's, who she is and it's we celebrate it rather than it's not a disadvantage it's something we've always celebrated because she's so strong as a result of like dealing with her shit early on and going like i'm handicapped i can still do everything you can do and actually more she was a competitive she was a uh an olympic paraplegic swimmer she swam for canada like she was a wow uh, she could beat me in arm wrestles until i was like 15 because she had biceps and a bet she's like she was amazing, you know, and her, her perceived disability was actually a strength. It was extraordinary. And then something really to think about for storytelling. Because my, my dad's mother who was helped, she helped a lot while I was a kid. So my dad could work. 
So I was around her a lot. She was completely disabled for like the last 10 years of her life in a wheelchair, in a bed. Um, her, she had a curvature in her spine, just mm-hmm. completely paralyzed her from the waist down. And so I watched her go through this so from walking to not walking. So I, I, I've witnessed it full on and, and she didn't let it get to her. And that's something I need to remember, do what grandma did or, you know, that's what I tell, tell my I always tell people this. If I, if I wake up tomorrow and am not disabled, I don't think I would want it. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like I, I wouldn't know what to do with myself <laughs> if I was. Right. It's not who you are. You're like, yeah. it's a different person. It's like, yeah. oh, would I like to wake up tomorrow in someone else's body? Uh, no, I'm, flaws and all, I'll take mine because it's me. Yeah. 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 Okay, so one last question. Um, you've received some backlash for your support on the LGBT, for the LGBTQ community, a lot of it on Twitter. Does it ever get to you? No. <laughs> I mean, no, it doesn't. It, um, it doesn't get to me. It's frustrating that there are those people out there that feel that uh, intolerance and hate is something that as a society is acceptable and something that they have a right to be vocal about. I, it, it's frustrating and it's disheartening, but it doesn't get to me. I look at it as an opportunity to educate and uh, to, you know, have an opinion and to advocate and to stand up for things that I believe in and to fight for people that I consider friends and family, you know, people in those communities that I have so much love for. And I go, oh, this is my chance to sort of fight and be strong and be vocal. So uh, I certainly wish that we weren't having to deal with it at all, but it doesn't get to me. And I do have hope that one day (laughs) at some point in the future, we're just one love, you know, what a, this like sort of hippie idealism, but truly like we shouldn't be having to deal with this crap. It's, it's nonsense and it has no place in a civilized society. Yeah. It's 2021. It's like, y'all need to move on already. It's like, yeah, let's, let's breed that out of our race, please. Let's just get that hatred right out of here. We don't need there's no, who has time for intolerance? Like who has the time? Just love, love your fellow man. And you know, the world would be a better place. So I'm thank doing my part. So, <laughs> thank you so much, Paul, for joining us. We had so much uh, fun Thanks for having me. Yeah. Thank it's you for a, having uh, me. Do you have any more future works coming out? Uh, I've got a script that I'm working on now that's been, in the works for about three years that was sold about three years ago. And uh, it's a project that it's, it's really fun. It's um, I think maybe we could see it come out in the summer. I'm co-writing it with a friend of mine and uh, I can't really say anything about it. It's based on a series of books that we've adapted and Mm. uh, it should be, it should be a good, it should be like a good summer sort of adventure movie, but um, you know, your, your words about, uh, writing in a, a character with a disability have given me some things to think about. And I actually have been thinking about that for a while, uh, simply because of my own upbringing and wanting to honor my mom and how incredible she is. Um, 
So I'm going to like, I'd like to move forward with that in mind and see what can I can I help do you? there. <laughs> well, I think you have already. <laughs> I think you have. I'm a, uh, yeah, well, I'm a, uh, I have a few things that I have to sort of get off my plate before the new year in terms of writing, but I have an, I have a project in mind that I've already sort of been tinkering with that would possibly suit a disabled lead it might be really interesting so let me let me think on it you've given me some food for thought <laughs> thank you and if if like merry thanksgiving weekend and castle and like <laughs> christmas by starlight and santa stakeout was anything i'm pretty sure this is going to be whatever projects you have your name on will be good because so far so. you hit like You've had whole runs with all of your movies. <laughs> I know the pressure's the pressure's mounting. Now I got to keep it up. I, I appreciate. I that. honestly, we we honestly really, really liked your movies, and we're not and we're critical of a lot. We we don't mince words when we yeah. don't like. <laughs> we we criticize things that we don't like. So. <laughs> Thank you. Me too. Me too. I work really hard to be. Uh, criticism free on those to just like iron out all the bugs you couldn't come at me with anything so i appreciate it appreciate you noticing yep and you 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 write some gems so i'm excited for your next project whatever it is anyway thank you very thank you, much Paul. thank you it so was much lovely merry to be christmas on. and happy Mer new year yes merry christmas and happy new year to you